Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the OG Therapy Podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. And as always, I'm your host, David Kozlowski. And today's a little bit of a surprise, or I shouldn't say surprise, kind of, I had another episode that I was planning on posting for today. However, after teaching my high school class today, some interesting things happened and I wanted to share how I handled this situation or situations, I should say. And um, the reason why I want to tell you guys how I handled the situation is because I think a lot of us adults, especially adults that work with youth, if you're a coach of anything, if you're a teacher, uh, maybe you you teach at church, at school, whatever your role is, if you have lots of kids or you're kind of that family, that house where there's tons of other kids that come to your house, this episode is specifically for you because I want you parents and I want you adults to know how much influence you have over kids and what you can do to use that influence to help them have better relationships, get along with their peers better, and kind of teach them how to do the things you want them to do. When I say things you want them to do, how to teach them how to behave and respond and how to treat their peers, even if they don't necessarily want to be nice to them, even if they don't necessarily want to be um, understanding, inclusive, and, and make new friends with certain kids, it's definitely better to have kids that get along in any group, whether it's a family social group, whether it's a friend group, whether it's uh, you're teaching or you're on a team, like let's say you're a teacher in school, teacher in church, or you're a coach on a team, whatever group of young people that you have, it's always better if they get along more so than if they don't get along. Because if they don't get along, whatever you're trying to teach them, whatever you're trying to coach them is going to, sh- it's going to suffer from that. It's going to be a lot more difficult to teach or coach them anything if they do not get along. And if you don't understand what I mean by that, just think about the word chemistry. Everybody knows on teams, if you have good chemistry, teams that do not have as much talent can uh, perform better than teams that do have a lot of talent, simply if they have a lot of chemistry, simply if they're gelling, simply if the relationships outside of the sport are as good as they are uh, when they're working with each other inside the sport. So today's episode, I'm going to be focused on that. We still got some other episodes to post about fathers raising daughters, dads raising sons, about how to make them good sons, how to make them good daughters. When I say make them, I mean help them to become good sons and daughters when they get older. But for today's episode, I'm going to start off by telling you a story. And the story is about what happened today. Now, I'm going to... You know, even though my students aren't my clients, I'm not going to use any of their names. I'm not going to, you know, break any sort of uh, confidentiality. Well, I don't have confidentiality the same way I do I have with my clients. However, I'm just not going to say who it is. So I may change a couple of the details a little bit, just not to tip anyone off, because I know a lot of people locally um, listen to the podcast. And, you know, I always joke that this town I live in, Salt Lake, is really Salt Lake small lake city instead of salt lake city everybody knows someone who knows someone having said that here's what happened so today was my third one two three yeah third day teaching my class of a new semester 
the very first day of class, I noticed in one of my classes, there were two girls and these two girls, normal teen girls, they seem very just like coming in, they're friends with each other. They got a couple of friends in the class. Everything about them looks very typical. And when I say typical, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like there was nothing that stood out about them that was, you know, hmm, that seems awkward or different or, I mean, and even, even their style and their dress, it's kind of very just typical teenage style and teenage dress. And both these girls were very respectful to me. They're very polite. They showed no like bad energy or, you know, being like any sort of mean girls or anything. But I noticed in the very first class, they started noticing one of the classmates. And the classmate they started to notice was very just open and just commenting on things I said and and one of those one of those students that a teacher really loves because they're invested, they're engaged, they're, they're just really, ex, you know, just excited to learn, right? Well, these two girls kept staring at this other student. And they would look at each other like, like you could tell that they're like giving, if you can't see me right now, they're giving me like, well, they weren't giving it to me, but they're making facial expressions that told me that they were judging this other student that they were looking at them like they're weird, like low key kind of mocking them. Like, did you hear every time the student said something, did something, they were just like, Oh, like, like kind of making fun of the student without, they were doing it with their eyes to each other and whispering to each other. So the first day I was looking at them, like, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on that because by the way, the student that they were doing this to, again, they weren't trying to make it known. They weren't trying to be mean, but this student, I already know a lot about this student. This student is very unique in all the best ways. This student has been through very difficult life struggles. I know for a fact if these two girls knew this student and knew more deeper information about the student like I do, not only would they be mocking and you know, kind of on the down low making fun, they would actually befriend the student and they would respect the student if they knew more about the student. So fast forward the second day, teach class, boom, boom, same thing. Well, on the second day, there was another student that came to class that wasn't there the first day. Soon as this student came in, lots of students gave this student that look of like, ooh, you're different, you're awkward, you're weird. So I got two different students that other students are looking at with definitely that like, I'm not really, you're not attractive you're not someone I want to hang out. You're not someone I want to talk to. And kind of almost like that kid had like COVID and they're trying to stay away from that kid, the new kid that came in on the second day of school. So today's the third day. So today I did something completely different. Today I had the kids go over our last lesson. Last uh, class's lesson was called the smile experiment. If you have not been a long time listener to uh, this podcast, just go and search episodes under the smile experiment. I talk about the smile experiment. At least I believe I talked about the smile experiment. I think we have an episode called the smile experiment. I don't know, like four or 500 episodes. I can't remember. If not, I'll do it next time on the smile experiment. Basically what it is, is I teach kids this thing that I learned in graduate school, that if you do this thing, it will guarantee drastic, it will drastically increase the probability that people are going to talk with you, that they're going to give you a fair shake, a fair chance. Most importantly, it makes people curious about who you are and they want to get to know you better. 
I think we've all had those experiences where we meet a stranger. We had no intention or desire to try to strike up of a conversation, but something about the first initial impression that that stranger made on us was so powerful and was so like good. We were curious about who they were and we started asking them questions. Next, you know, we get in a really deep, meaningful conversation with a complete stranger. We've never talked to before. And we're like, wow, that was really good. But a lot of times we didn't know exactly what like created that moment. Well, I teach these kids what I learned in graduate school called the smile experiment. And every time they do the smile experiment, they always come back blown away about how much it got them to break the ice with a friend that they, or uh, someone they want to be friends with, but didn't know how to talk to them. How many times kids would tell me that they started talking to someone they're interested in. They use the smile experiment. It's a specific thing that you do. And then after they use that, the person they're interested in showed interest in, in them. I don't promise kids that if you use this, everyone that you want to date will want to date you back. But the worst case scenario that comes from this is that everyone that you use this on, the worst case scenario, worst case scenario uh, situation that can come from this is that you will have made them feel more comfortable, relaxed, and that's it. That's the worst case scenario. She'll make them feel more comfortable and relaxed when they're around you. And that's really the whole goal of the smile experiments is to make people feel comfortable while they're in your presence, not to look good, not to be attractive. Like I'm not saying you don't want to look good, but not to try to be attractive. There's nothing fake about this. It's something very genuine. And when you do the smile experiment, as I taught the kids, you'll notice that people are curious about who you are. They'll keep the conversation going. Next time they see you, they'll be like, Hey, what's up? They, they just feel like this close intimate connection with people very fast when you use a smile experiment. Well, I'm teaching that today. Uh, there's a big mix up at my school that I don't know what happened. They're doing like a job career fair day. And I showed up and my room was taken over by the job career fair and like, Oh wait, we forgot that, you know, your classroom's here. I'm like, you did. So anyway, so we had to move to another classroom today. It was a very small, tiny little classroom. So small. There's only like 20 desks in the classroom, 15 desks, maybe was enough room for my 35 students to all sit in desks and there wasn't enough desks even wanted to sit in them. So I just had them sit on the floor in a circle. This was the best thing I did, you guys. And so what I did was I said, today we're going to go over the smile experiment. We're going to practice using the smile experiment on every single one of you in the class. We're going to sit in a circle and everybody's going to just practice it over and over. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about it for a little bit and we're going to kind of see what happens and what you guys noticed and what you guys picked up on. So after I gave them a little review of the smile experiment, how to do it, I actually told them another story about this amazing, cool story about this, this young, you know, this young little skater kid that I did the smile experiment on like the big tough bully of the high school, the high school he went to. And not only did it work, he became friends with the bully. The bully introduced him to everyone. And because this big tough bully was like his buddy, all the people used to bully this kid didn't want to bully him no more and became his friend. It literally changed the kid's high school experience from sophomore year. He learned this by the time he graduated senior, he came and told me, he goes, Hey, that thing that you taught me was a sophomore. Not only did it probably save my life from getting beat up and bullied throughout the rest of high school. It made my high school experience amazing. I have so many friends. I had so much fun. He didn't want high school to be done with. And when I met him, he didn't want to go to that high school because in that middle school leading up to it, he'd been messed with and bullied a lot. Well, so I tell him the story. I go over that. And then I say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I want you to look at the person next to you. So the whole class was staring at them. I made it really awkward on purpose. Look at the person next to you, pretend that you don't know them, which I made sure they're sitting next to people they didn't know. Well, a couple of times they had friends there that they knew. 
But I say, sit next to the person, look at them and say, hi, my name is, say your name. And then right after you say that, say, what's your name? And then after you ask the person that their name, then I told the other students, say, then you respond back. So for example, it'd be like, hi, my name's Johnny. What's your name? And the other person, oh, hi, my name's Susie. Nice to meet you, Johnny. And then Johnny said, then after that, Johnny, make some sort of observation about the class, about your surroundings, or give the student a compliment. So everybody took their turns. And as we started going around, it usually sounded like this. Hi, my name's Johnny. While they're smiling, of course. The other student was like, oh, hi, hi nice to meet you, Johnny. My, my name's Stacy. Um, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. And then Johnny typically would say, oh, I just want to let you know. I was like, dude, those are cool shoes. Those, those shoes are lit, sick, dope, whatever, whatever version of you know, slang they wanted to use in that moment. And we started to notice there was a pattern. Kids started using compliments like, I like your shoes, I like your hair, I like your shirt, like more of like the outside stuff. But we noticed that was more common with girls. Then we noticed with guys, they were like, hey, uh, nice to meet you. Like, oh, that's, that's a cool hat. Uh, you, you a fan of that football team? Uh, do you play any sports? Like, they were just practicing small talk. Before we did this, though, I asked everyone, has anyone here ever been stuck in a, or been in a conversation and not know like when to stop talking, if you should continue talking, like didn't know like when the like when the conversation was over, because small talk sometimes can be difficult to read. And everyone was like, yes, it's happened plenty of times. It's okay. So let's kind of go back and forth a little bit and see like how it feels. Well, they all noticed that when one of the students, even though we were pretending to do this, I told them to take it serious, but it wasn't real, right? wasn't like in the hallways meeting someone, even though I told them to do this and kind of gave them a, like a little bit, like, here's the rules of the game. You play the rules and then we'll talk about what you learn from the rules. Well, like I was saying, even though I kind of gave them these rules, they kind of started to experiment a little bit on their own. Then when we went around, I asked them, I said, Hey, you know, what was something that stood out to you guys? A lot of the times, um, kids said, well, at first I was really nervous and uncomfortable. And then I noticed that I would laugh and giggle a lot. I said, okay, well, why do you think you laughed and giggled? A couple of kids were like, oh, I'm not quite sure. And then I turned towards some other students who I knew was obviously that student's friend. And I said, hey, you know them pretty well. Why do you think they laughed and giggled in the middle of doing this? And every single time they said, because they felt uncomfortable. Now, usually the student wouldn't say, oh, because I felt uncomfortable and felt insecure doing this. But they said, I, I don't know. And I asked their friends, their friends like, oh, because they felt uncomfortable. Everybody's staring at them. They were nervous. I said, okay. Uh, after everybody went around, I said, did anyone else, be honest with me, did anyone else feel uncomfortable while you're doing it? Everyone raised their hand. So I said, huh, you guys all felt uncomfortable while you're doing it, huh? I said, yeah. I said, that's interesting. So even though some kids did it better than others, meaning like some kids you could tell they had more practice at it and other kids were a little bit shyer, it was uncomfortable for everybody. I said, why, why do you think that is? And they all started talking about like, oh, well, you know, because our phones, you know, we're always looking at our phones and you know, we're not quite sure what someone's going to say and, you know, we don't want to be rejected. So they all had these very similar fears. They want to be accepted. And if someone didn't smile back or if someone didn't say something nice to them, then they felt rejected. So a lot of them said, well, I don't usually reach out and just try to introduce myself to a lot of people because I've been rejected, it hurts, and I don't want that to happen again, so I avoid it altogether. 
So I simply just posed a question. I said, okay, can you get it? Can you get better at something you don't ever practice? And of course, they all said, no. I go, but what if you're practicing avoiding social situations? I said, well, I guess you'd get better at avoiding them. So I said, is it possible that teenagers, because their cell phones and all the different distractions, are getting worse at connecting with other people and being social and introducing themselves because that's not what they practice the most? And of course, everybody's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's obviously, you know, teenagers do more texting than talking nowadays. And they just kind of accept this. Nobody argued it. Nobody disagreed. They were like, oh, yeah, just what I'm saying is like stupid, simple, and stupid, obvious. So after we went around and asked those questions, I said, are you guys mad at me that I had you do this? Because we could be studying. We could be memorizing stuff, which, by the way, my social health class uh, really loans a lot of the knowledge and information learned from Dr. Matthew Lieberman, which says peers should really be teaching their peers more than adults teaching kids. Now, that doesn't mean that peers run every single lesson. So what I do is I try to do these experiential exercises where they all get to share their own thoughts, feelings, and opinions about certain things. And then other kids are listening, going, huh, that made a lot of sense. Or that's a good way of putting it. I never thought about that. So I'm actually having the students teach each other, but everyone gets a chance to say something and, and do that teaching throughout the day. Well, long story short, I do it with two different classes a day. And after both those classes, both the classes actually said it was actually good. They liked it. They laughed. They shared in this awkward, uncomfortable thing. They noticed that regardless of their height, their skin color, their religious views, their, you know, what bands they like, what music they follow, regardless of all those things that are different about them, they all felt uncomfortable. They all agreed that teenagers nowadays have more social anxiety. And they all understood and agreed that if you don't practice being social and talking to other people, not only are you not going to get better at it, you're going to get worse at not being social because you're practicing avoiding. Well, it's such a good conversation. I thought, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull these two girls aside. Remember in the very beginning of the story, I said they weren't mean girls, but I'm going to pull them aside. I'm going to have a conversation with them because instead of me getting mad at them, by the way, even though I knew they weren't like mean girls or anything like that, I kept on trying to look at them and give them like the, like the don't stare, but you're making it awkward. And because these are, you know, pretty popular girls that, you know, have a lot going for them when they were staring at the student and kept on staring and talking to each other, look at the student, talk to each other, look at the student. And it was happening the whole entire time because that was happening. It was causing other people to look over at the student and everyone else could tell that they're mocking them. And I don't know if you guys knew this, there's a certain madness about crowds you get a bunch of people in a crowd together. And it's like one person, like, yeah, those people are stupid. And everybody else is, yeah, they are stupid. It doesn't take a lot to get a bunch of people worked up, especially, you know, teenagers. So I saw this happening. I saw it was going on. I pulled them aside after class. I said, hey, will you do me a favor? But more importantly, I want to make you a deal. I would like to give you a gift card for of your choice. I mean, obviously not for a lot of money. Um, a gift card of your choice at the end of the school year, if you could work on something throughout the whole entire quarter. Now, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Like, I'm just going to tell you that I'd be willing to do this. And by the way, I do this with lots of my classes, just in different little things. I have these like little, these little side things going on, right? These little side, side social bets with people going on. 
And I asked these two girls, it was actually three of them, three of them together, but it was really two. The other girl wasn't like, I could tell she didn't feel comfortable staring at the other student. She was a little bit quieter. So I told them, I said, hey, I know you're not mean girls. I know you're not this. I know you're not that. However, I've been noticing that you've been staring at a student. And I've been noticing when you're staring at the student, there's some laughing, there's some mocking, there's like looks of like, ew. And the one girl put her head down like in embarrassment and shame. She was like, and kind of nodded her head. And, and like, I know you're going to want to defend yourself and say, but Mr. Cause, I, we weren't trying to be mean. And the girl's like, yeah, I know. I just, as uh, you're saying this, yeah, I, I wasn't trying to be mean, but you're right. And she just put her head down. She was embarrassed. She felt bad. And I looked at the other girl, and the other girl had tears in her eyes. And she was holding them back pretty good. And I just calmly said, I go, so what I want to do is I want to invite you guys to do something for me. I said, I'd like you, every game day that we have, I want you to invite that girl to play a game with you. Because every Friday in my class, we play games, cornhole, Uno, Jenga, all these different types of games. And if you're asking yourself, well, aren't you in school? Or why are you playing games? The reason being is that games are experiences. Don't you think as a parent, if you're a parent listening to this, if your kids aren't getting along, if they're not hanging out with each other, don't you think it would be a pretty reasonable thing to do for a parent? Like, hey, let's go spend some time together. Let's play some games together so we can bond and just have some time together. So that's what I've done. I've been doing this for years now, doing games every Friday. And every Friday, there's always some kids in the corner that don't really feel comfortable and assertive. And so I asked these girls, I said, tell you what, I'll get you a gift card um, and I'll do this and that and the other. If you invite this other student to play a game with you and throughout the rest of the quarter, even though you're tempted to look because the student is kind of, I should say, big personality, but not in a bad way. I, I love this student. I think the student's awesome, especially because I know some personal information about the student already. So I, it makes me appreciate and respect them even more for what they've been through. Well, I said, if you can do that, not stare at the student, not, you know, you know, do the things you've been doing. And then also when game day comes, just, just try to get to know the student a little bit better. I said, I guarantee if you get to know the student better and if a student chooses to share uh, some of the personal information I know about them during the midterm, not only will you not be looking at them and thinking differently about them, you would actually have mad respect and admiration for them. And you would actually like this student. I'm very confident in that. And the girls looked at me and they said, yeah, yeah, I would like to do it. And they kept their head down, still kind of embarrassed by the way they go, Mr. Cause like, we weren't really, I'm sorry, but you're right. Like we were staring. We did it. Like I feel bad. It's, it's okay. I go, am I, does it look like I'm trying to be mean to you or make you feel bad or punish you? They said, no. I said, yeah, because I get it. I get it. It's like a, it's like a car accident. Sometimes you, you just have to look, you know, and I'm not saying that this student's a car accident because I said the student's great, but the student is not scared to look uncool. They're going to say and do what they want to do. And I actually respect that more than students sitting back trying to be cool because they don't want to stand out. The student stands out, but I think in all the good ways. After we had this conversation, Again, they apologized. They said, yes, we'd love to do it. and We'd be happy to do it. So they walked away. And I called up another student. I said, hey, need you to do me a favor for me? And he said, what? This student wasn't staring at anyone. But another student that came in on the second day, that had missed the first day, 
was getting a lot of attention from other students and the other students I could tell were looking at the student as if like the student is weird and different. So I pulled aside this boy that during our circle that we had, we all went around and you had to tell the person next to you, hey, my name's so-and-so, what's your name? This boy in my class, look like he's a big athlete kid, definitely like, you know, just very, very big stature and athletic, right? And during when we're doing that little circle thing where we're asking uh, what your name was, I had the athletic kid turn, uh, or no, I had uh, this new kid uh, turn towards the athletic kid. I said, introduce yourself to him and do the small experiment. Well, that kid really struggled even to say hi. He goes to shake his hand and then he just stopped and like just let his fingers hang there and just kind of touched one of the guy's fingers. And then when he touched one of the guy's fingers, he said, uh, I said, okay. I said, well, you know, like you can shake his hand. Like you don't have to like, cause he went to shake his hand. Then he just touched his finger and pulled away real quick. I go, you can shake his hand. People do that. Like you, he was going to shake your hand. He goes, oh yeah, I know. But his, his fingers are really sweaty. And the kid looked at him and was like, what? Like almost like he's like, that's not cool. And talking about there's a big athletic kid looked at this other kid who's not big and not athletic and looked at him like, uh, okay, that wasn't really cool. And I said, I go, hold on a second. So I reached over and I touched the kid's hand. I go, can I touch your, can I, you know, touch your hand? Like see if your palms are sweaty. I touched it. I'm like, your palms aren't sweaty at all. I go, let me touch your hand. The other kid goes, go ahead. And I touched his hand. I go, your palms aren't sweaty at all either. And I said, luckily he knows you didn't mean to hurt his feelings. You'd be anything bad by it. And the other kid that said it was like, oh yeah, I didn't mean anything bad by it. So I had him do it again. Second time was a little bit better. They talked for a moment. I pulled the big athletic kid aside after I talked to, you know, the other students. I said, hey, listen, I want you to do me a favor. I'll make you a deal. Every Friday, every game day, if you invite him to play games, if you go out of your way, you don't have to be like best friends with him, but if you just go out of your way just to make him feel comfortable, just like we talked about today in the smile experiment, just like, you know, I was explaining to you guys, then what I'll do is I'll get you a gift card. And, um, and I'll, I'll just, you'll be of great help to me because I'm not a teenager. I'm, I'm not a peer. Like, yeah, I mean, I could like these students and make them feel more comfortable and safe and secure in my class, which obviously that's my goal to do, but it's so much more powerful when it comes from one of their peers. He looked at me and he goes, I'd actually really like to do this. I said, oh yeah, why is that? He's like, I don't know. I just, I could tell that. He, you know, he has some challenges socially and it did catch me off guard, but I wasn't mad at him because I quickly figured out that I don't think this is personal towards me. I think he just doesn't know how to be social and has struggles with that because, yeah, I, I totally like to do that. So we made an agreement. So here's the point of this whole entire story that I'm telling you guys. Again, teachers, parents, coaches, regardless what it is, if you have influence over teenagers and if you have um, the responsibility to help teenagers, obviously you're going to want to help them get along because if they get along, like I said, they have better chemistry. They're going to be more effective at whatever they're doing. I'd rather have kids all get along in a group and I have to tell them to stop talking because they're chatting too much because they're all friends than have a group of kids that don't talk to each other. I'd rather deal with kids talking too much than them not talking at all. Why is that, you may ask? It's because one of those is a whole lot more closer to our nature as human beings. And the other one 
is not as close to our nature as human beings. I mean, I think throughout most of history, you put a bunch of kids together in, in a small environment together, they're going to make quick relationships and connect with each other. But in today's world, when they have devices and other things to hide behind and other things to be distracted upon, they only get better at what they're practicing. And if you're practicing avoiding uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable social situations, you'll never feel competent, confident in potentially uncomfortable social situations. Well, the moral of the story is, you guys, us as parents, coaches, teachers, what have you, I want you guys to do something similar to what I just did. Pull a couple teenagers aside, or kids, could be older kids, ask them to help you. But first start off with giving them some compliments. Tell them something that you appreciate about what they do for the class or the team, whatever it may be. Then after you give that, you ask them, say, hey, would you mind doing me a favor, like if you could help me out with something? They'll always say, well, yeah, sure, what is it? Then explain to them that you are older, that you aren't a teenager anymore. And they'll probably say something like, uh, yeah, I kind of knew that. By the way, your knees are always aching. <laughs> That's me at least. And tell them, said, because I'm not, you know, you know, because I, I'm not young anymore, I can't effectively, you know, I can't really connect with teenagers the same way that you can. Because teenagers have something that us as adults will never have or at least never have again. That's called youth, energy, joints and muscles that don't ache all the time. We as adults can use our influence over a few kids to have a greater influence over a lot of kids. If you're a parent, pull aside some of your kids that you think you can reason with and get them to go to the other kids and bring them on board and get them a part of the, the plan or program, whatever you want them to do at that particular time. If you're a teacher, you can do like what I did. I pull kids aside, talk to them, you know, tell them you know, something I like about them, some compliments, small talk for a little bit with them, and then ask them if they'd do me a favor and they'd help me out with this one thing. They said, I really want to help out all the kids in this class, but I'm only one person. There's 35 of you. So I could really use your help. By any chance, would you help me? Oh my gosh, every time I've asked a teenager that in my class, they've always looked at me like, well, yeah, of course. Like, what's going on? They're almost curious. Like, why? Why is this teacher asking me for help? And I say, out of just your desire to help me, you know, I have a little bit of money from the from the class that I have, and I just get gift cards. And and I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, um, have a sponsorship with like Van Shoes. And I, I give away Van Shoes to teenagers that are showing great social health and being cool to their, their classmates and, and going out of their way to make other people feel comfortable. And I want to share this with you guys because you guys can do the exact same thing. And if you've already done this, well, then you're welcome for the reminder. Because if you've already done this before, you know it works. You just may not remember or thought about doing it with situations with your own kids, the kids on your team. If you can help your students, your um, athletes, the, whoever you're teaching, if you can help them have better relationships within that social circle, not only did you help them have better relationships and have better experiences and have more fun, but you gave them the opportunity to learn more. See, studies have shown, and specifically, I, I'm more familiar with the studies from UCLA, but studies show in UCLA at the social laboratory, that if you have a couple of friends 
that you're really close with, that you can go to lunch with, that you can hang out with, your life expectancy is extraordinarily longer. You have someone to vent to. When you want to give up, you have people that tell you don't give up. It's just so much better and everything is so much better in life when we have people to enjoy it with or people to help us go through these difficult times together. As parents, as coaches, as teachers, whatever role we play with our youth, we have to be more creative in getting our youth to be able to bring on friends and other people, invite other people to do things, um, asking other people to play games, to hang out, just simply having someone their same age show interest in them, want to talk to them, and want them to play and hang out with them is a huge deal. It's absolutely gigantic. It's such a big deal that we just kind of all just accept that we have to deal with it. There's not always a lot of hope and answers for a lot of kids out there that eat lunch by themselves, that don't have friends. And I get it, you guys. If you have one of those kids or if your friends, you know, tell you about some kids at school that are weird or different or awkward, I get it. On the outside, it may not look like there's anything about them that's valuable that would be impressive to you or anything that would cause you to have admiration and respect for them at a high level. But I'm telling you, every single one of the youth that I've done this with, that I've had them open up to each other, help out each other, they've always found out that the kids that they thought that were different in a bad way, that were weird, that needed to be marginalized, like, oh, those kids are different. Let's put them over there in the margins. Every single time one of those kids came to class, I went out of my way to make sure that other kids in class didn't give them sympathy, but just showed them the natural human compassion and just desire to get to know them a little bit better. Just by doing that, I've had so many kids leave my class that said it was the most life-changing class. It was the best class that they'd ever had. And I always ask them the same question. Why is that? And they always gave me the same answer. Because I made friends. In some cases, they say, because I met my best friend. In every single class I've ever taught for the past four and a half years, I've never had a class where at least two or three different kids came up to me and said, I met my best friend in your class. And then I see them a year, two years later, walking down the halls with that same friend that was a stranger they sat next to in my class, and now they're best friends. Now they have someone to text, hang out with, go to lunch with. If you got one of those, one's better than none. If you got two of those, two's better than one. Our kids out there, they need help socially. Us as adults telling them, just go outside and play with your friends. Just go text someone. Just go talk to them. This, that, and the other. Sometimes that can work. But if you want to be really clever, if you want to do what I call helpful master manipulation, you could ask them to help you to help someone else. By them helping someone else, connecting with someone else, they A, will be less uncomfortable being around that person. They'll fear that person less. When I say fear, not necessarily physically, but maybe like they feel, oh, I'm scared to be around that person. They look different, act different, whatever. They fear the person less, and the person just becomes a classmate who they're cool with. And sometimes it can even become close friendships. Well, you guys, that's my episode for today. I really, really want you guys to think about how can you recruit other kids to bring other kids into the tribe? 
How can you get kids to say, hey, listen, you got something that I don't have. It's called youth. You can help me out with something that's really important to me. If you help me out with something that's really important to me, who knows? I give you some extra credit. I could, you know, give you a gift card, like in my situation, because of access to free gift cards. Whatever it may be, that is something that I think you try to work and try to see what you can do, what things work for certain kids, what things work for better for other kids. And at the end of the day, if you're trying to figure out ways to help your students, your players, whoever it is you're in charge of, if you're trying to figure out ways to help them better connect with their teammates, with their peers and their classmates, I guarantee you, you will find ways to help them better connect with those people. But you got to be looking for it. If they're not looking for it, don't mistake them as not wanting. Because after I did this awkward thing with both my classes, all the kids asked, they said, no, nah, it was actually good. It was, it was uncomfortable at first, but I saw everybody else uncomfortable. Then it was funny. Then it was good. I totally get why you did it. Thank you so much. I had five kids leave class today saying, why didn't they teach this us growing up when we were younger? Like, this is so simple. It's like, shouldn't we had this in like elementary school? And my answer is always this. It's on its way. Soon. If I have my way, we'll have social health from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. So you guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Whatever you're doing right now, if you're doing chores, if you're riding your bike, you're working out, you're listening to this podcast, thank you for support. Thank you for uh, sharing the podcast with your friends. If you like this episode, share it with other people. Talk to other people about it. If you want to see these episodes, hey, if you're like me and you want to just watch your podcast, great. But if not, I totally get it. If you want to see these episodes, you just got to go to www.patreon.com backslash OG therapy. And basically that's called Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it costs like five bucks a month. You get all the videos of all the podcasts we've ever done. And you get a lot of extra bonus content throughout the years of podcasts we've done only for Patreon that we actually never put out on our normal podcast channel. Those are going to all be there on Patreon, so check that out if that sounds interesting to you. And also, too, you can follow me on Instagram at David underscore K-O-Z-L-O-W-S-K-I underscore, or you can follow us on OG, uh, OG.therapy on Instagram, or you can follow us on YouTube on uh, OG Therapy, or now on TikTok on OG Therapy as well. So until next time, you guys, just remember, if stress with your kids got you down, Stress with your, your, your spouse, your partner, family drama, work drama. Just remember, you don't have to just sit there and beg and say, please, Lord, please give me some miracles and answers to deal with these crazy people around me. All you have to do, instead of just getting down on your knees, just press play and listen to your OGs. And until next time, thank you and be cool.